Good evening, Bearcats fans. Or morning. Depending on when you're listening. Either way, it doesn't matter. We're back inside the 275 loop this week. It is Wednesday, March 3rd. I'm back in the 275 loop this week. It is true. Alex is back. I'm Sean McMahon, joined by Alex Frank. Thanks for joining. We're going to get to a little bit of quick news about UC football. We'll get into basketball after that. There's been a few things happening. A few transfers, actually. Uh, so far in the last week, we've had Jakari Robinson, uh, who started some games for the Bearcats in his freshman year, 2018, that breakout season that UC had. Did he start all? I, I, he I think a he lot started. I think he started almost every game in the 2019 season, if not every game. Um, I would imagine that he started just about every game. I, I frankly, I can't remember. It was, it was at least the majority of them. I can tell you that much. Mm. Um, we can look that up because but, I remember there were a lot of high expectations surrounding him. And the thing about Jakari Robinson, Sean, is he really declined after his 2018 season, where he filled in for Garrett Campbell, an absolute veteran. Yeah, and he was he was from St. X. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure what he's up to these days. I'm sure he's living a life of a professional life instead of a football life. Um, he was a really likable guy, too. Yeah, he seemed like it. That's, very, that's what I heard. Always very professional with the media. Um, was with this program for six years. Went through some highs at the beginning, some lows in the middle, and then got to experience playing on college game day on national television primetime in that game at UCF two years ago. And then, you know, got to play in a really... I mean, it's a high-profile bowl game, I'll say, the military bowl. That's, that's a good bowl game to play in. It's pretty good media exposure, I would say. Yeah, and you had a sold-out crowd. It was against a quality opponent, Virginia Tech, and you find a way to play an integral role in Michael Warren rushing for 166. Had a good career. But, yeah. Um, his understudy in 18 and his eventual replacement, he just really... Did too many snap infractions. Too many snap infractions, and he, he just simply... He wasn't good. I disagree. I think he was good. He just needed a bit of work. I mean, he was only a sophomore when he took over, you know, and, and you give him two more years on the line, he might become better. But at the same time, we couldn't really afford that. We were like, man, you don't exactly have a lot of, you don't exactly have a great history in terms of not getting giving us penalty yards. Like, man, I felt like he was responsible for so many penalty yards in just one season. It was like, all right, this is ridiculous. Yeah. And, you know, eventually his understudy is now taking over um, Renfro at, at center now. Um, Played in all 14 games, by the way, in 2019. Yeah, there you go. Doesn't say if he started them. But he definitely played in all of them. But uh, either way, uh, so Jakari Robinson is gone. Zach Hummel is gone. Zach Hummel's probably a name you probably don't know. And I don't really blame you. He's not exactly high up on the depth chart. Doesn't really have any notable plays or stats or really anything. Um, he was a commit from the class of 2019, I believe. And he was, a he guy. was an offensive lineman. And there just wasn't really a whole lot of hype around him. Uh, also, Michael Lindauer, the class of 2019 quarterback, has transferred. I believe he was a two or three star out of Kentucky. Probably, I think he was a three star. Um Again, probably a name you don't know. He he played two snaps in his entire career here, and it was against Austin P of all teams. Uh, and on those two carries, if you were watching the game or listening to our broadcast, you know that he fumbled the ball on his first play scrambling, and then on his second play scrambling, he fumbled it again 
and lost it. So he recovered it the first time and then lost it the second time. So really not not bad losses for the Bearcats. I mean, when Michael Lindauer committed here, it was like, dude, why? Like, just what? Why? What are you doing here? It, it doesn't. It didn't make any sense because you know. I think Evan, was Evan Prater in the same class. He was Evan Prater would have been the class. He was in the twenty twenty class. Yeah, he would have been twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah. He was the twenty twenty class. Uh, granted, we didn't really have him committed at the time uh, that Michael Lindauer was committed, but. Michael Lindauer, there was just, I just don't think there was any room for him because you had Ben Bryant behind Desmond Ritter and you had Jake Sopko behind Ben Bryant. It was like, dude, you got no wiggle room. And then with Evan Prater coming in, it was like a, a see a moment. So people, for, people really don't realize how talented our quarterback room the last few years has been. Agreed. Um, and I think you bring up a great point there. Zach Hummel not gain a lot of buzz when he committed here. I mean, that's saying something because it feels like every single commit that UC gets, I mean, they get, I mean, there's so much. Well, offensive linemen don't get much hype, period. Even in the NFL, they don't get talked about a lot, you know? Well, they should get, I mean, they should. I agree they they're, should. They're important. Because it's because they're not exciting to talk about. Well, unless you know. your name is Panay Sewell. That, well, yeah. Um... Or Joe Tooney, as the Bengals look to sign him in free agency. I, I think with the pattern that I noticed here with these transfers, Robinson, Hummel, and Prater, uh, Lindauer, excuse me, is that they may be ahead of, in terms of their class, what class they're in, certain players. But if they're not performing, and Luke Fickle and the coaching staff have proven over the years, they're not afraid to sub a younger player in if they can do better and help and better help the team win games. Mm-hmm. You look at Robinson and Hummel transferring, Jake Renfro is the starting center. He's been great. He's been very, very great. Absolutely. He I I am so thrilled to have him as the center. And you think about he he started his first game was that he started was at SMU. And from SMU to UCF, Sean, the Bearcats offense was unstoppable, mm-hmm. it felt it looked like. So uh, look, you you hope that these players, you know, everything works out for them because you do want them to, you know, you want everything to work out for anybody in the end. But this now officially, I believe, I, I think makes Evan Prater the number two backup. The, I would the, say I would think it has to. Number two quarterback behind Desmond Ritter. I don't even know who else we have besides Prater and Ritter now. Renfro is your starting center. Uh, I'm not Ooh. sure who would who will be behind him on the depth chart. I guess we'll I guess we'll know more about that. Once spring, does, does spring ball start on Saturday? Uh, well, they started mat drills this week. I know that much. I mean, I was thinking about it. Spring football usually starts the first or second Saturday of the month of March. Excuse me. And then, and then I was thinking about you know. Here's another question for you, Sean. Are, are spring games going to happen this year? I think they should across the country. I think. I think I think they should. Why, I think he- not. Why the heck not? Well, we have a we have a better grasp on COVID nineteen than we most certainly did at this oh, time. Yeah, last I mean, there's year. 75 million Americans that have at least the first dose of the vaccine. There's 25 there's million who have major. both. Twenty. So 25 have had both. 75 have had at least one. At least one. Yeah, it's good. And by the time the spring games roll around, that number will be at least doubled. At least. Well, they usually the spring games usually come around in April, so. It's a month. That's about a month and a half from now. I mean, yeah. I think you wait about thirty days between each vaccine, between each dose. So, okay, you know, I mean, you wait another month, and 
By I mean, the, every day people are getting their second dose. You by know? the way, did you see the report that Alabama is planning to have a full stadium in the fall? I did, yeah. The SEC is actually trying to push that as well, the entire Southeastern Conference. Good for the SEC. Good for them, yeah. It would be nice now, to now, that. now, Now that's some hope right there. Yeah, it's nice to see those kinds of reports coming back out. Yeah, it, it's weird when you think about the life before... Uh, before covid and you know how much we take for granted we took for granted being in the stands and that kind of stuff and you know it's it'll be it'll be a different experience probably for the rest of our lives i think going to games and stuff with, with a crowd i think it'll we'll appreciate it differently than we did beforehand yeah because i think you did kind of take it for granted i really i really think we took we took we took normal life for granted honestly mm-hmm. like and I was thinking about this recently, like, you know, there's a lot of hope right now with vaccines being distributed. And I'm just thinking, you know, we're getting back to normalcy. And it is an, and it is an adjustment because we, we lived abnormal lives for an extended period of time. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to feel really good. Like, I, I remember Mike Gallon Jr. on 700 WLW on Sunday, he was talking about how he can't wait to get back to a baseball game and just drink beer and, you know, have the crowd and... Just that, you know, everyday staple to your lives in the spring and summer, which is at least most certainly in our city, Reds baseball. Yeah, and it's starting to feel like spring now. Uh, it's it's March, and the sun's going to be out for another week, according to the report that I just looked at. It was a at. really nice day today. It's been beautiful for the last, man, really the last week since it stopped getting so cold. All of a sudden, it got really warm really quickly. and This means we're going to have nice. a hot right. summer. Even that rainy day that we had, well, we have the locusts coming this year, too. Don't forget that. The what? The locusts. Would you lash if I said I don't even know what those are? What? We'll I talk should, about that later. Should I know what the locusts are? You should know what a locust is. I've, yes. I, I've heard of it. I just never know. I, I don't exactly know what it is. Anyway. And I am considered a dumb whatever. So, Anyway, uh, quick side note, by the way. The, apparently, the tw- this is the 2021 roster, but that's obviously not correct. Football schedule's um, out. Did we talk about that in our show last week? I don't think we did, but we can talk about that. But... Uh, You've got Evan Prater, Desmond Ritter, Jack Perry, Michael Lindauer. See, this isn't updated, so it might know, no, Michael you Lindauer. No, you can't go by that because Jakari uh, Robinson's on there, too. I just Brady, saw. Brady Lichtenberg. Uh, I mean, te- guys that you're like, who? Uh, I don't know. Those rosters. Evan Prater's got to be number two. I mean, he's a highly touted recruit. He's the highest recruit we've ever had in this school. I, I would hope that he's the number two guy. I mean, we are in great hands when you have... The reigning conference offensive player of the year, a potential sleeper, or maybe even just potential Heisman Trophy candidate, coming back for a senior year, and then once he graduates, you move on to the number four quarterback recruit in the country, who's waiting in the wings, and he has two years. Actually, I'm sorry, he has three years. Yep. Oh and, yeah, because he registered. And Devin Prater. Yes. So, uh, the future of Cincinnati football with the quarterback is very, very bright, college yeah. and pro. And I pray that Desmond Ritter stays healthy this season. I really do. Because after so. after last season, I just hope more success for him. You know, it it would it would stink to yeah. s- to see something happen to him. No, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try to jinx him. Um, but you know, and he shocked me this past season. I think he yeah, surprised yeah, I, a lot of us, really. Yeah, I, I didn't expect to hit, I didn't expect him to have as prolific of a season as he did. Absolutely I mean, I, I I keep telling you the numbers that he put up in a four game stretch, four or five game stretch, 
we have not seen those numbers from a quarterback since Lamar Jackson in 2016 at the college level. And that's saying something. If the last time a quarterback put up those numbers was Lamar Jackson in 2016, and we all know what Lamar did that year. Yeah, and I think the thing about Lamar is that the difference is, is that he paid, played for a Power 5 school. And also, I think he's more talented than Desmond Ritter. Um, and I think he's, he's, he's more... I don't know, I think he's more fun to watch, you know. I think like, like about the same. No, see, Desmond Ritter's fast, and he's re- he's a really good runner. He's not super agile, though. You know, that's the thing about Lamar Jackson. He's very agile. Like you remember, uh, I will say his agility is more. Lamar has Kevin Harlan's call of, of of him spinning through the Bengals oh, defense. You had to remind me of that, didn't you? I was sitting I right did, there because that's he a very great. It's a great example. I mean, it's him spinning and weaving, and he could just do things that Desmond Ritter, frankly, can't. Ritter, um, Ritter has the one thing about Ritter is when he runs, and I'm I'm think, kind of thinking about this now, Sean, and you're kind of alluding to it. He always runs in one specific direction. Given he runs well, but he's not one of those he's not one of those quarterbacks that can run to one side of the field and then back to the other side of the field like he Lamar can't stop on a dime or Deshaun like Watson. Correct. Um, he's got really long, lengthy legs. I just noticed but his other helmet's than that, new. But other than that, Sean, wouldn't you say that Ritter and Jackson have very similar qualities and they're both about the same skill-wise? Like, uh, I would say Lamar, well, they're okay, both maybe. Du- they're both dual are you, are you comparing Lamar's Heisman season to Desmond Ritter's past no, season? No, I'm, I'm just saying Lamar. Or right now. Right now, I'm saying... No, Lamar's a better passer. I think they both struggle with the deep ball. I think Ritter's a Ritter can't throw beyond fifteen yards. He can barely throw a correct. Screen. He can barely throw a screen pass. But neither can Lamar. I mean, I would still say Lamar is a better passer, given that he's a star. I in would the NFL. I would agree with you on that. He does. He has hit the deep ball before. Ritter struggles mightily with it, um, which he does hit occasional deep balls. We we will make a note of that. Yeah, and hopefully that you know will transpire into more of those. This season. All right, so the football schedule, Sean, is out. Um, huge fan of it. Um, yeah, we knew the four We knew the four non-conference games going into it, and we knew just about all the conference games, but we just didn't know the order or, you know. I think, I think there's two potential college game day opportunities, and I think you know which ones I'm hinting at. Indiana and Notre Dame. I was, gonna, I was actually thinking UCF. Well, now that no, you, UCF is going to be straight you say, dumpster fire. What? There's no way. Yeah, I don't get. think you want to say that about October UCF. 16th? Might be too early in the season, but I didn't. I think there's going to be two other teams that are going to be playing on that date that they're not going to care about UCF and Cincinnati. Who would be playing? Maybe Georgia and LSU. Although LSU had. Uh, is it the third week in October, or is it the second week in October? It'll be the third. Also, be like Tennessee, Alabama. That's the third week. Well, the 16th is the third week. Third Saturday. Is it? Yeah, I guess it would. Goes two nine. Uh, sixteen. Here's the thing. Oh, so wait, you're saying we have. Yeah, because this is oh these are Friday games. The eighth is a Friday. The um, we have two Friday games. Oh, okay. The and one of them is after one of them is after the Notre Dame game. So we have a short week after playing in Notre Dame. Think about that for a minute. Yeah, which actually could be an advantage because then you can immediately, if you were to win that game, which isn't out of the question, ride that momentum into a home game against a team who most likely will play very physical with you. And they know, okay, you know, this team just beat Notre Dame. We're going to give them their best shot. 
I mean, that, yeah. that game has a lot riding on it. And not only that, but it's a game against Temple following the Notre Dame game. And it's before UCF. That's the epitome of a trap game right there. Yeah, Temple's always a trap game. I don't care how crappy they are. They always are for whatever reason. They just never seem to stop giving up a fight. But what I like about this schedule, Alex, is that you have two straight weeks of home games, and then it goes two straight away. But then it's two straight home games again, and then two away, and then it alternates after that. Yeah, um, I, kinda, I do kind of like that. Um, I do like two straight home games. I think that'll be a really, really nice way to open up the season. Uh, Michael Young tweeted something that he wants to see a, a full Nippert Stadium before he graduates. Oh, he'll get some. I, I really want to give it to him. But uh, Miami Even. is Saturday, September 4th. Saturday, September 11th uh, will be Murray State. That will be the 20th anniversary of 9-11. How about that? That'll be really That's hard to believe. Nice. It's been 20 years since that awful, awful tragedy. It's amazing. I, I remember with a nine-year anniversary, I was watching an Ohio State game, actually. Um, I remember the 10-year and the 15-year year. vividly. Uh, let's see. After that, you've got Saturday, September 18th, taking on Indiana. That's obviously at Indiana. And then the Bearcats travel back to the state of Indiana. They head up to South Bend to take on Notre Dame on the 2nd of October. Fun weekend that's going to be. Yep. And then, like Alex said, a short week next Friday, we take on Temple at home at UC- and then UCF also at home the following Saturday. You're talking the potential of four straight games maybe on like ESPN or something, starting with Indiana and two UCF. Indiana is like a... That game could be on like FS1 or something or Fox. Notre Dame, of course, will be on NBC. Temple being on a Friday night, you could get that game on ESPN. UCF, I mean, the last three years, those games have been on ABC or ESPN. So, I mean, <laughs> look yeah. at you already, already, already looking you've at the got, calendar. You've got a bi- well, you've got a bye week in between Indiana and Notre Dame. So that could be advantageous. It could be advantageous or it could be disadvantageous because you don't want to over-prepare because you know what Marcus Freeman's going to do. Yep. But I think having an extra week of rest before Notre Dame, I mean, three straight games after all the lead-up to the season – it's not a bad. It's not a, a bad time to have a bye week. No, absolutely. And then uh, after the UCF game on the sixteenth of October, since I travels to Navy on the twenty third of October, that won't be easy. Week later at Tulane might be a pretty good game actually. There, I think it could be a really good game. And Tulane is not Tulane is respectable. Yeah, absolutely. They have a dynamic offense, and Willie Fritz has done a pretty good job with that program. Bearcats turn it around, bring it back home, take on Tulsa November 6th. That'll be a fun rematch. Um, we won't be ducking smoke in that game either. Hopefully not. And then another short... <laughs> I still laugh at that. Another short week, uh, Bearcats actually travel to USF, and that game is on Friday, November the 12th. I could spend my 23rd birthday in Tampa, I guess. And then... You've been there. I have been to Tampa. Then they return to home to take on SMU Saturday, November 20th, and then the following we wrap up the regular season with an away game at East Carolina on the 27th of November. So you got one bye week in there, um, which, man, I, I, we always got two when I was there. My, I'm feeling like right now I'll say this team This team will probably win nine to ten games, and I might be underselling that. I think they'll win nine or ten. I think, the, I think the floor is that. I think absolutely, yeah. Do you think they can go undefeated? I mean, can, yeah, will. We'll just have to see. Fair enough. Um, it's going to be an exciting season. And hopefully there's going to be, you know, full stadiums. We're not going to, I mean, I'll take a, um, would you take a full stadium if you had to wear a mask? Yeah, sure, why not? Okay. 
Absolutely, I would take All right, that. So, talked football for a good twenty minutes, and it's the month of March. Do you realize that? Yeah. Well. I mean, I guess it's. I mean, I guess it's all right. But I, I haven't even looked to see what college basketball is on. Also, night. shout out to uh, Doug Phillips up at Youngstown State because he is uh, in the middle of coaching a season right now. Yeah, the FCS season's going on. Yep. Uh, right now, which you and I had a really intense conversation. Yep. Prior to the show tonight, about. Um, I'm sorry. I'm just looking at the headlines on ESPN. So. You and I were talking about, you know, how we can fix the postseason for college football. Because the reason why I'm not as big a college football fan as you are, and I'm a bigger college basketball fan, is that the postseason for college basketball is significantly more. Um, it's better. It, it's it's be- just better. It, it's better because it's it's it's. I think it, it generates just, revenue like crazy. The gambling oh, around it, the gambling and you the know, hype. It's it's just a good time of year. Exactly. I mean, March is a fantastic month. Oh, it's unbelievable, isn't it? Um, Aside from last March, but you get the well, point. most Marches are. This month, excuse me, will be better. Where are the odds? Um, so, we, so we were saying that we think the FBS or college football should have a twenty-four team playoff. Excuse me, which I'd be all in for. Yeah, I, if you listen to our pre-game broadcast of the conference championship game. Uh, Nippert yeah. Stadium. Um, you'll probably remember that I we were talking about that as well, and I brought up the idea of um, of the 2014 playoff replicating what the FCS is doing. Uh, because why not? You know, why not? It, it would be sort of like another March Madness, if you will. Uh, you can argue player safety and player, you know, like, and I get that. I, I agree. Um, I'm all for player safety, and I, I get that they're they're kids and. You know, I think there's ways that we can maybe work that out. Maybe take out two non-conference games and just ha- and keep all the conference games, um, or or you know, I I, I don't know. There would be there be ways to figure it out so that they maybe wouldn't be playing even more games on top of what they're playing now because it is an exhaustive season for these guys, and uh, I certainly wouldn't want to go through it. Um, so there is a legitimate concern there, but I think a 2014 playoff would be really, really fun, and you would see more Cinderella stories like you have in in, uh, in March Madness. Yeah, and even if you wouldn't, because college football, to me, you know, you have your, your, your elite teams, Alabama, Clemson, maybe Ohio State's in there, maybe Oklahoma's in there, definitely Alabama and Clemson, and then you have, as Luke Fickle has said before, a very large middle. Um, but at least a 2014 playoff creates the opportunity for more Cinderella stories, yeah. like you like you just mentioned. Um, so I forgot we talked about this during our pregame show for the conference title game, mm-hmm. and you you actually posed the idea, which I'm all in for a 2014 playoff. So the way it would work is you'd have, I think the way it should work is you have your 10 conference champions. Yep. So in a normal college football season, so you go back to 2019. So your, your, your 10 conference champions would be as follows. Power 5 conference champions, Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, no, I'm sorry, LSU, Oregon, and Oklahoma. Your group of five conference champions, Memphis, uh, App State, Appala- Appalachian State, Western Kentucky, uh, Boise State, and Miami, Ohio, which I can't believe they, they won the MAC championship in 2019. Okay, so there's your 10 conference champions. Then, then you'd have fourteen at-large teams. Yep. Well, but not only that. But here's the thing: 
I think that, um, well, you have eight that are guaranteed because the eight get a first top eight. I think, see, this is where it starts to get complicated. You have 10, well, you have 10 guaranteed, but the top eight get a first round buy. Yeah. So potentially you could have 12 teams guaranteed because, or, uh, yeah, you could potentially have 12 teams guaranteed because here's why. You could have eight teams that are, because I'm going based off the fact that the top 24 teams are in that playoff. So okay. if, you, if you have two conference champions who aren't ranked eight and nine, then whoever is ranked eight and nine is guaranteed to be in as well, as well as two conference champions. You don't necessarily. I mean, like there may be conference. There may be more conf- non-conference championship teams that get buys than conference championship teams do. Because would you give Western Kentucky, who won the conference USA, a buy over an Alabama who went ten and two, or a Georgia who went eleven and two, or Baylor who went uh, eleven and two? Yeah, probably not. I don't. I don't think you would. Now you're at large teams. Of course, you're going to have. Reds game getting underway here because you could have a not you could have a not very good record and be a conference champion. Exactly, but it, uh, but that's the thing. If you win your conference championship game, you're in, and exactly. that's exactly what college basketball does. And I think it's a great it's a great great way. Yeah, UMBC be- was a great example of that. Yeah, and here's the thing: it's like college football. There's a lot of teams you don't know about, and you never get to know them because they don't have the opportunities like the Power Five teams do. Whereas college basketball, did you know who did you know who UMBC was before they pulled off the upset? I didn't even know that was a school. Okay, neither did I. Okay, like let's look at let's break that down. University of Maryland, Baltimore County. I mean, what's the highest? What's the most watched network that they played on prior to the NCAA tournament? They probably have never even had a TV broadcast exactly. before that game. Well, I mean, ESPN Plus now. This was before well, the sure, advent of sure, that. Well, sure, sure, sure. Okay. And maybe the America East Conference Tournament Championship game, championship game is on ESPN+. Plus. ESPN, Okay. But, I mean, this was CBS. Millions of people watching, because I guarantee you, a lot of people had Virginia winning their brackets. Oh, well, I, there is not a single person in the world who picked UMBC to win that game. No, there were. Just there not, had. I mean, yeah, but... Not that many. I didn't. I sure as you, you probably what, what you probably did, and what we, what you and I probably did was we saw the match and we're like, okay, Virginia here. Oh, who are they playing? I don't even know. Eh, whatever. Well, yeah, that's what anyone would do. But well, you, I think you, any, you knew. Eventually. I think anyone that picked them in their bracket did that as like a, like they filled out like ten brackets where Virginia won, and they were like, okay, now time to just make a random one, and yeah, we'll just have UMBC beat Virginia. But like, yeah. no one actually thought UMBC was going to beat Virginia. No, no one. I I certainly didn't. But that's the thing. It's like you don't. Not only know, did they beat them, they kicked the snot out of them. Yeah, you don't know who these teams are, but you you can know them because the conference tournaments in college basketball allow for teams to get into the NCAA tournament. And once you're in the NCAA tournament, you're going to be featured on either CBS, TNT, TBS, or True TV. Yep. And you're going to be able to watch them play. Like, did you know who? I don't know, Loyola Chicago was before they went to the Final Four? Nope. Okay. But the NCAA... Or VCU. Yeah, great example. George Mason, Butler. There's a lot of teams. Exactly. Uh, Murray State, Cornell. Well, I don't know who Murray State was until Drew Morant. I think he was probably the reason why Murray State was on everyone's radar. You know, McCrona came from Murray State. I do know that. Okay, so... 
2014 playoff for college football. Now, you're probably going to have, because let's face it, if you're going to have 14 at-large teams, I mean, the SEC is going to claim three or four. Mm-hmm. The Big Ten's going to claim three or four. The, I mean, the Big 12, the, AC, the ACC is going to claim a couple of bids, maybe multiple. The Big 12 and Pac-12 are going to get their multiple bids, and then maybe you'll have some um, smaller teams. But the good news is, is you get um, at least five group of five teams that can compete for a national championship. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. the way it would work is you'd have your you have your first round nine through twenty four would play top eight get a bye. Eight winners move on to the uh, second round. Sixteen teams, eight winners move on to the quarterfinals. That's where you get to you know the quarterfinals and semifinals. Six games combined. That's where you have your New Year's Six. Your semifinals are whatever the games are in the rotation that year, which this year is the uh, cotton and orange. And then the other four that are not would be the quarterfinal games. First second round games on campus sites. I mean, can you imagine... If, With the higher seed taking the home field advantage. Correct. Can you imagine if Georgia played at Wisconsin in December? Yeah. Or, uh, I don't even know, say... Memphis at Baylor, or I mean, there could be potential matchups there. Now, how you would seed them, I think that would just have to be based on the college football playoff rankings. You know, one through twenty-four. More likely than not, and then because obviously one and eight, one through eight wouldn't play for the first week, and then you know, twenty-four would play uh, nine, and then so on and so forth. Okay, so if we're taking twenty nineteen, let's use twenty nineteen because that was the last full season. Sure. If if UC gets in, which I think they would. I mean, they were 10-3, and three, and their only losses were a 42-point loss at the number one team in the country who beat up on everybody in the Well, and they season. were ranked 21. Correct. And they lost by 10 and 5 points, respectively, to a team that went 12-1 and one and won a conference championship, and both games were on the road. What seed is UC getting in that, in that formula? Oh, well, uh, I mean... I mean, they were ranked twenty. I, I, I would, I would honestly just make the college football playoff ranking the seed that they have. But then number twenty-five is automatically. I guess you consider them the and odd that man out. Sucks for them. Well, maybe that is. That's it. you know, I, I would, would rather have one team out of the top twenty-five not get in than twenty-one. Okay, so twenty-one would play twelve. Who was twelve? Auburn. Ooh. Twelve was Auburn. So we would go to Auburn. Ooh. Yeah, so here, Ooh, here's the matchups that here's the matchups that you would have. Let's hear these. Florida would play Virginia. That Which, would actually that was a that was a game. Yeah, Florida and Virginia played in the a Orange good game Bowl. too. Uh, Navy would take on Penn State. It'd probably be a, be a blowout. Be an interesting game. Uh, but Navy wasn't bad that year. No. They were good. Uh, USC would take on Utah. So a Pac-12 matchup. Ooh, all right. Obviously, we would take on Auburn, uh, as right. Alex mentioned. Appalachian State would take on Bama. Good lord. <laughs> Boise State would take on Michigan. Now, that would be a good I game. Would, I would watch that That game. would be a fantastic game. I would love to see Boise State beat Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. Ooh, Minnesota would take on Notre Dame, and Memphis would take on Iowa. Memphis-Iowa could be good. And by the way, the order in which I read those teams is where they would play. So, Virginia would play at Florida. Uh, Navy would play at Penn State, and so on and so forth. USC would go to Utah in December. Ooh. We would go to Auburn. App State would go to Bama. Boise would go to Ann Arbor. Minnesota would go to South Bend. uh, And then Memphis would travel to Kinnick Stadium, where they would probably get absolutely throttled. 
Uh, at Kinnick Stadium, with the home field advantage like that, I think Memphis a, would get absolutely throttled. In a normal year, that's an intimidating Also, don't forget, Iowa does have a pink locker room. A pink locker room? Yeah. The color pink, it's apparently supposed to make you lose focus or something like that. Something I learned about in photography my senior year. Wow. Shout out to the whoever came up with that idea. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know if their back basketball locker room is like that, but I know their football, the away team's locker room like that in football. It's a football nice is. stadium. I would, I would Kinnick to, Stadium is beautiful. I don't want to go to a football game there. But, yeah, you would have LSU, and LSU through Wisconsin would uh, have a first-round bye in that season. And, um, and then from there, how you would determine who takes on who, I think it's just based on the, on the rankings after that. Um, would you reseed the teams? After the reseed the eight winning teams, correct. Um, yes, I think you would have to. I, I think you would have to. Um, I just get a sense that yeah, that you would have to do that. I, I don't. I'd have to look into how the the AC or uh, the FCS does it. I, I'm not sure if they reseed or if they just keep their seeds and then that's how they play each other. I don't know. I, I would have to look into that because then maybe uh, then maybe the winners of those games. You know, whoever the highest ranked winner of, of those games would take on LSU, and then, you know, second highest ranked would take on Ohio State, and so on and so forth. Yeah, and LSU, Wisconsin are guaranteed home game. LSU through Wisconsin is guaranteed at least one home game. Right. Uh, yeah, and, and yeah, exactly. They're, they're, they're all guaranteed a home game. Um, so whoever is the winner, you better get ready to pack your bags and head over to wherever you're going. Another interesting dynamic is that would be during uh, Christmas break at all these universities, but I would think students would come back for a game. Oh, sure. Well, and here's the thing. I would, I'd be willing to take Florida over Virginia, and then Florida would just travel to LSU as if it were another conference game. So it wouldn't be anything new for Florida. No. Uh, assuming they win. Now, if Virginia won, it'd be a different story. We don't know who would be going to LSU. But, it's an um, interesting way to look at it. Maybe Penn State would travel to LSU. You know, who knows? That might be a really, really good game. Maybe not. LSU might actually know they would have throttled Penn State. Um, but anywho, so that's 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 what we were talking about earlier. That's our proposal. That's probably not going to happen. And you know, but a man can dream. Um, it, will, it will be interesting to see what happens in the next ten years in college football. Everything is, feels like a dream when we come up with these easy scenarios for the NCAA and college football playoff, and they just like, well, no. It's it's frankly because they don't they somehow don't see monies or money in these in these avenues or something. There's and, there's and, reasons, and yet, and yet they're about money. There's reasons, and also don't forget that Power Five teams and conferences have a lot of influence on what what happens in college football because they have a lot of money. I mean, look at, I mean, here's the thing. It's like... What the Big Ten makes versus what the American makes Because is, college football is technically not under NCAA control. The conferences, they were left up to themselves to decide if they were going to play. And ultimately, all of them did. Yep. Yeah. And... All right. That's really all we have. Uh, really way, quickly... Really quickly, there was a game tonight in the Patriot League tournament that was canceled. Oh. Um, because Holy Cross... I guess had COVID nineteen issues, so Loyola Maryland, Loyola Maryland advances due to what is being called an uncontested game. Oh, they advance. Yeah, they advance to the uh, ah. So they consider that a forfeit. Yeah, I the, believe that's how the NCAA tournament's actually yes. rolling. Now you have to think about my bracket could be busted based on a forfeit. Yeah, Welcome and to the world we live in. That'll stink. Oh, I would raise hell if that happened. 
haven't can you imagine if, can you imagine if Gonzaga, heaven forbid, they somehow get con- someone contracts COVID and they can't play and they have to forfeit and they're out because of that. Players better be careful, man. Oh my god, better be careful. You can't throw away your season like that. There is so much pressure and anxiety on these athletes. Yeah. In this tournament, by the way, great game tonight at eight thirty. Number fourteen Creighton and number ten Villanova, eight thirty on FS1. Oh, I'm gonna have to watch that. It's in thirty minutes. Uh, I'll be downstairs watching it. Before we move on to basketball, I just want to mention really quickly uh, baseball. Let's give them some love. Um, they're currently one and five. Uh, three straight losses to Clemson at Clemson. Clemson's really good, though. Clemson's really good. They had a close game in the third game. Uh, they only lost seven to eight in ten innings. Yeah, and then two heartbreaking losses to Western Kentucky. Yeah, that's that's and both clo- both very close. Five to four. Uh, the first game was in twelve innings, and the second game was in just regular nine. Uh, and then the third game, all of a sudden, UC just turned around and destroyed Western. I Kentucky. think they were they just they were really wanting to win, and they yeah. did. Yeah, so and and let's not forget they are they do travel, so they start on the road for I mean, they have they have four more games on the road and they're all in uh Wilmington, North Carolina. They will take on UNC Wilmington. Remember when they uh, won starting the, tomorrow through the seventh. When they won the conference tournament, they Which they are the reigning uh champions yes, of the conference. They started the year one and eight. Okay, was it I couldn't remember if it was one and eight or one and nine. Was, I do remember they had a very bad uh, start to the season might have been might have been one and eight. So don't nine. don't give up hope now. I mean, I heck, you know, they could win one game all season, but then they could win the conference. They were one and eight or one and nine in 2019, and they still wound up as the two seed in the conference tournament. And not only that, but they won the whole thing and they crushed UConn. How awesome was that? That was a fun game to watch. I mean, yeah, really watching gross. them hit dingers after dinger. I mean. AJ Bumpus and Joey Weimer and, and all those guys, man, they they were fun. And then they went to Corvallis, and that was that was really cool. That was one of the best college baseball games I've ever watched. I, I didn't State. even get to watch the whole thing. I was bummed. I, I had work it the next morning at like so what time did I start? I think like seven. You gotta worry yourself so, to stay awake then. Eh, I couldn't. I like my sleep. I know you do. And so I watched the highlights. I, I, the next I, I, I told Sean here to apply for an overnight job that I had. Formerly, and yeah, he did not receive that well. No. Anywho. But you um, might, I mean, hey, in journalism, you might have to do it. As a full-time student, the answer is no, but in the future, I maybe. did as a full-time student. Yeah, I well, survived, somehow. Yeah, survival is not exactly what I'm looking for. I also have a... I'm still have to I also, survive in advance. I also like a social life, so... I had a social life. That's fair, but... Point being, um, so now we'll move on to basketball. We've only got 22 minutes left. So. We can always go into, excuse me, a second hour if we need to because there's a lot we can talk about with basketball. I mean, there were three games last week. Yeah, I think we can keep it short, though. Um, a, a, a win that, we, I don't know if Ooh. it really shocked both of us. Considering uh, how it started, I mean, we were down fifteen to three. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I, I didn't. I was. I did not watch the game. I. I I can't remember why I, I didn't watch the game. I I, I truly don't remember. Um, it's at nine o'clock on a why didn't you watch the game? You were you were in quarantine then, weren't you? When was this game? This was last Wednesday. So oh, we yeah. could go tonight. I probably just forgot to watch it. To be honest with you, probably. well, no, it was on ESPN Plus. No, it was on ESPN U. Was it? Yes. I thought it was on ESPN Plus. It was not. Oh well, never mind. Uh, anywho, uh, the Bearcats pulled out a one point win, seventy to sixty nine. There and uh, that's why I mentioned in the show last week we could be very wrong and we were, um, and all all credit goes to to that team to to pull out a win, um, 
and it's it was it's really impressive that they were able to pull that one out. Uh, Forty seven percent free throw shooting, not very good, but from the three point line they were lighting it up. Ten for twenty six, which doesn't sound impressive, but that's thirty eight percent. That's pretty good. Um, and then uh, field goal percentage was forty point six percent, twenty six for sixty four. Pretty solid numbers aside from the free throw shooting. <laughs> you can probably guess who dragged those numbers down. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anywho. What was, what was Spode's line from that game? What? 24 minutes, he was 2 for 3 for field goals, and he was 1 for 5 from free throws. He missed he, more free throws than he had shot attempts in the game. Yeah. Just and, and that way. Overall, 16 offensive boards and 25 defensive boards. Against a team that likes to play a zone defense? Not bad. It's a lot better than what we saw against the Houston team, obviously. Uh, compared to no. Tulsa, who had five offensive rebounds, which won't win you a game, no. but 27 defensive rebounds. So Tulsa didn't really get many second-chance shots. It was a well-played game. Yeah, I mean, Tulsa shot 79% from the free-throw line, 42% and from the three, and 42.9% field goal per shooting. I felt like they also did a really nice job on Brandon Rochelle. Remember, he had 25 points against us when, they played, when we played them here, Tulsa? He only had 14 yep. in... On Wednesday's game and that was on the road and you have to give this team a lot of credit for the heart and resilience they showed you come back from losing 38 by 38 on the road to Houston you win a game on the road Wednesday night at 9 o'clock all the way in Tulsa Oklahoma with only like 100 fans on their senior night that you have to give them credit for what they did absolutely uh, they are 10 and 10 and we are no, oh I'm sorry they were 10 and 10 at the time of this of this game uh, and we were 8 and 8 and currently the Bearcats are 500 sitting at 500 on the season, um, and we are awaiting our seeding in the conference tournament, which it has been verified that we will have a first-round bye in the tournament, uh, next in the conference tournament next week. So uh, that's always a good thing um, if you're the Bearcats. Um, so some scoring leaders from there, Keith Williams led with 24 points just behind him. Well, not just behind him, but behind him in second was Jeremiah Davenport. He had 14. So a great... Uh, Great game from Keith. He had two three-pointers on the day, and he was 9 for 24 for field goals. I mean, played a great game, 36 minutes overall. Um, and then something I think we should have to mention is the fact that David DeJulius is, has now opted out for the season. Uh, I really he, feel for the kid. He has intentions to return, um, but it's a mental health thing that he's going through. And, and mental health is a really um, serious legit thing. It's a serious effort. Absolutely, it's a legitimate thing. And anybody who tries to downplay it, I, I really just don't agree with that no any any fan that's like oh what I, I don't get it it's like yeah of course you don't get it all you're right not a, you're so not a college kid right exactly. now i mean you have to understand what what these college kids i mean they frankly they, college i would say college people college in kids, general and college kids have it as one of the hardest demographics right maybe now. not the hardest because i'm sure there's others that are having you it way worse you can't even eat with your friends in the dining hall think about that for a minute yeah, there's a lot of things you can't I mean, do. Now, you and I don't know what it's like to live in a dorm. Well, there's some people that are barely eating, so. That's just, yeah. That's College just, kids have it bad, but there's other people that have it way worse. You have to understand, like, I mean, see, we live in an off-campus house, so we don't have to, like, worry about if there's any protocols in the dorms. Like, we are, you know, we pretty much set our own protocols here. Yeah, we, we've already gone like, through Like, I know you protocols. were just in quarantine. Well, still technically so, I am, but I mean, no. tomorrow's my last day anyway, yeah. and I, if I'm not showing symptoms by now, yeah, then... we set we set protocols in our house. Like, okay, if one of us gets COVID, we wear up, we wear our masks. Uh, the one who does have it, uh, the other two or whatever does the grocery shopping for everybody else. 
Which you know. No, 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 not for everybody else. Just for the person or just that just has. for the per. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna say for the for the person that has COVID. Yeah. Um, which is smart. And um, the person who has it would obviously stay in their room as much as possible, not going. Yeah, either. and if they did have to step out because you know you want to go outside, maybe you have to wear your mask. You need to make food. Yeah, too. That's kind of important. Okay. Um, uh, but anywho, so that's the Tulsa game. Uh, after that, Cincinnati traveled down the two lane. Uh, travel down. Mm-hmm. The game was here. Was it? Wait, am I getting confused with another game? You're getting confused with the game that was at Tulane on Super Bowl yeah. Sunday. Yeah, gosh, I'm sorry. Holy cow, uh, time does not yeah. exist. Time does not exist right now. Anywho. It hasn't existed since COVID started. Uh, Bearcats got a huge win out of that. Uh, considering that they just barely edged out Tulane at Tulane, I think a 20-point win is a pretty pretty good thing to celebrate. The um, impressive thing about this game was it was tied at 62, and then a lineup with three freshmen and four and two sophomores went on a 29-9 run. Yeah, and how about this? I mean, look at Tulane. Forbes had 37 points. You should have seen some of the threes. Jalen Forbes had 37 points. That's a good name. That is ridiculous. And you you do not hear about that very often. I, I, Zach and I were talking on the broadcast. I mean, we hadn't seen a performance like that since maybe Trayvon Blewett dropped 40 in the crosstown That's shootout. exactly who I was just thinking. That is exact. I was just going to bring him up. I mean, 37 points is ridiculous, but aside from him, you had one guy in the double digits. You know, that's, that's, that's not going to get you much. Um, I mean, you had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight guys scoring, but I mean, one guy had one, another had three, two others had two. Like, so what we're saying is what we're getting at here is Forbes was their only consistent score. Yeah, correct. And that you can't win with one consistent score. I mean, you know, no. you could say, oh, well, what about you know Jaron Cumberland? It's like, well, but he was always surrounded by scorers. He had Trey Scott and you know Justin Jennifer, Kane Broom, and we, the list goes on. But, Even the year where he was Player of the Year. Yeah, he there, had, he was surrounded. Yeah, there were some games where he had off nights. Like you, Justin Jennifer won us the UCF game. You can't win if you're alone. Michael Jordan doesn't win titles without you know without help. You know. Yes, and for those who say that Scottie Pippen won him six titles, if there are those, no, Michael Jordan once was a six-time Finals MVP. But if you take Scottie Pippen out of the equation, things change. Correct. I think Michael Jordan would have still won titles, but it, it would have changed how many, and it would have changed his status. And well, you add another Hall of Famer to a team, you're they're going to be a really good team. Absolutely, there's no doubt about that. But you you, you switch over to the Bearcats side of the ball, and they had four guys in double digits. You had Mason Madsen with 11, Tari Eason with 20. He had a game. He had uh, how, many, how many rebounds did he have? 13. He, he had well, yeah, 13 rebounds. He had 10 of those were defensive, and three of those were offensive. I mean. That's that's just fantastic. Overall, it was uh, 10 offensive rebounds, 29 defensive rebounds, but other scores, Mike Adams-Woods had 16, and then Jeremiah Davenport led the way with 27, which is still a fantastic performance from him. And he's really developed um, and more or less blossomed uh, into the recruit that he was hyped up to be coming out of Moeller High School. I was going to ask you, how good do you think he's going to be? Because he's got two years left. I think he'll only get better. Um, if he stays healthy, um, and he's a shooter, I think he'll be. I think he'll be a, a, a big leader of this team, not just in terms of scoring, but I think he's one. He, he's almost like a uh, like a Perry Young kind of guy. He brings energy, and he's a guy that you can kind of lean on, and, and he'll he'll get you psyched up. I think honestly, I miss Perry Young. It, I yeah, I think honestly, if you're gonna let some guy do the pregame speeches, it's gonna be Jeremiah Davenport. I, I just he he to me he's a leader. 
and I think he's going to be great. Yeah. Micah Adams Woods is going to continue continue to be good. He does not have an ounce of fear in his body. Micah no, Adams he does Woods. not. And and nor does Mike Saunders. Oh God, Mike Saunders Ooh. is one brave soul. I mean, that dude charges the basket like nobody's business. He doesn't care who's. I mean, he Keith he Williams care. is good at it too. He's aggressive. Can you imagine if we bring all this young talent back and Keith decides to come back? I don't think he will. I don't but, think he will either because he did tweet after the game Sunday. Thank you, for, thank you for everything, Cincinnati. Which may, which leads you to think. That he's not going to come back. Uh, He probably won't go into the NBA. Uh, He might go G League, but I don't see him making it past G League. Or overseas, which where a lot lot of Bearcat talent seems to go. Um, But, you know, I I wouldn't blame Keith for not wanting to come back another year. I mean, you're a senior. You graduated. You know, you don't have to stick around if you don't want to. I don't blame you. Uh, And anyone that gets annoyed by that idea, you're just a... Well, yeah, you're you're a name we want. So this game offered a glimpse of what the future could look like for the Bearcats, and then Sunday they took on a team who I considered a measuring stick currently because they have a lot of young talent as well. Mm-hmm. I think it's a, I think it's a better young core of talent than Cincinnati. Oh but yeah, absolutely. To say Cincinnati held their own against Memphis, yeah, and that's without David DeJulius and some other guys that have opted out in this or or you know weren't playing. I mean. They showed a graphic before the game or, or during the game of how many Cincinnati players just either aren't playing or have just opted out or transferred or you know whatever. Um, it was it was like five or six. You know, it's been a I lot mean, of players. It's been a program that's in transition, but I think the last week winning two and then coming oh so close against I think one of the top three teams in the conference. That's a sign of optimism for the future. Something that we didn't have after losing to Houston by 38. No, absolutely not. And, and just look at some of those numbers though on Memphis. Yeah, let's look at Memphis's numbers here. No, you're fine. Memphis. You're fine. Uh, you had one, two, three, four, five guys in the double digits for Memphis. I mean, with five guys in double digits, good luck beating a team like that. Um, you know, it, it, overall they had 18 offensive rebounds and 27 defensive rebounds compared to Cincy's. Eight offensive rebounds and twenty-four deep, and they did better in defensive rebounds than I, than I gave them credit for. But offensive rebounds, I mean, if if you don't rebound on offense, you're done. You're just done. You know, I, there's there's no way that you can win a game with such little offensive rebounding. Memphis but creates created extra possessions. They did, and but the Bearcats did hang in there really well. The numbers were pretty good. Um, I mean, they were forty-five percent field goal, forty-five point six percent field goal shooting. That's pretty. That's really good. Uh, that's almost one out of two shots going in from the three-point line. They were thirty-seven point five percent. Pretty good. Yeah. And then from the free throw line, not great, but could have been way worse at sixty-one point nine. Uh, again, you can imagine who brought that number down. Thank you very Did much. Did you realize Chris Vogt didn't attempt a shot in the game? Yeah, that's true. You know what's really? You know what's one thing I took notice of was when Mason Madsen shot those two technical foul shots. It almost looked like he didn't want to. It was really weird. Like the second shot, it looked like those he just were two critical misses. Yeah, and it looked like he just kind of hurled up the second one. I'll have and, to go back and watch and the film. He sort of walked away like really early. I don't know. The shot looked really weird to me. He did. Um, I, he. I don't know how he missed those. I mean, free throws are free throws, and I feel like those should be automatic for. Frankly, anybody, it's a it's a free shot at the at the hoop. Yeah, and it's a technical free throw, so you have nobody around you. I think you have no excuse to miss both of them. Do you if realize, you miss one, I get it, but yeah. if you miss both, it's like, oh man. I will say this. I mean, you think I mean the Bearcats, I mean, Keith Williams had nineteen points. 
the fact that he played this game on, on what became Senior Day. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the good news is there's a game tomorrow, which we'll get to in a minute. Uh, Williams, 19 points, played well. Uh, Mike Saunders Jr., I mean, he, I mean, he oh, man. a display for the future. He was keeping us in the game in the second half for part of it. Without question. I mean, he, I mean that guy, he drove right at the basket. And keep in mind, this it's Memphis fearless. team, they have some athletes on that team. Yeah, and the thing about Keith Williams and Mike Saunders, they both tied at 19, and they were both attacking the rim, and it, it was working. It was working. The thing was, uh, you see, we, we just kept putting up the occasional three. You know, like, I think there was one possession, Keith Williams got yeah. the ball after... After getting a rebound, and he just launched a three. But down? And, and then, well, no, I'm sorry. Memphis had just scored, and then Memphis took it back down the court. And it's like, well, you just you just gave them the ball back. Like, why would you shoot that But three? down 10, and with 40 seconds left, and you find a way to make it a two-point game? That was impressive. Scrappy. I yeah. This team is scrappy. Yeah, they are. They, they've given a lot of fight, and that's without David DeJulius and, and, and some other guys. And if Memphis' young core returns and this Bearcats' young core continues to develop, I mean, this could be a fierce rivalry in the conference. I do like the chemistry that the young guys are having, too. I think that's one thing that we, yeah. that we talked about is that, you know, thanks to them, I mean, they were, they were kicking ass and taking names against Tulane. Like nobody's business. And, and it, was, it was really a pleasant surprise. I don't think anybody would have seen it coming, but... Even against Memphis, even though it was a loss, you saw them passing the ball around with efficiency, and, and it, they felt confident with the ball. Like it felt like they had a that they they had something going. Yeah, there was a purpose to their game. They knew what they were doing. They were confident in what they were doing. Something we didn't see earlier this season, and yeah. that only gives you hope. Absolutely. Um, and so, oh, and by I, the way, I think despite it being a six point loss, you got to give it to to the Bearcats for hanging in there the way that they did. Could there be competition between Mike Saunders Jr. and David DeJulius for the starting point guard job next year? No, it's going to be David DeJulius. There's no doubt in my mind about it. But you have a pretty damn good backup. You do. You do. And you, and you have him. You're going to have him as a, as a guard. You, there's no doubt Mike Saunders next year is probably going to be a starter. So who's your starting five next year? DeJulius? Uh, I'm going to give it to DeJulius. I'm going to give it to... Um, Obviously Davenport. Davin, yeah, Davenport. Uh, sorry, hang on. DeJulius, Davenport, Tari Eason. I think I'm going to give it to Mason Madsen, and I'm going to give it to Mike Adamswood. That's a very small lineup. Yeah, a very it, it really, small ball centric. It is. It is. It's it's very small. But welcome I mean, to the future of college basketball. Here's the thing, you see. I I think if we can fix our rebounding, we can solve a lot of problems. I I think if you fix our rebounding and give us more second chances, which which doesn't seem to be a big focus of John Brandon's coaching style. Like like Mick Cronin was a big go after the ball kind of guy, dive for a loose ball and. This, that, and the other. Are you willing to bang your head on the score on the scorer's table to just to get a loose ball or something? Like that was Mick Cronin, and and offensive rebounding was huge. That's what got us the win in the in, against Xavier four years ago. Um, you know, it, it, and that just doesn't seem to be a thing. Everybody seems to be kind of just staring at the ball, watching, as my dad would say. You know, they just have big rainbow eyes and watch the ball hit the rim and watch the other team get it instead of having three guys in the paint. And that's frustrating as heck. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think if you want to improve your team, you have to start somewhere. And I think for us, it's it's there. So the uh, the upcoming game that we have, which is tomorrow night, 7 p.m., scheduled as of Monday, I believe it was. Yes. Is a game News against broke. Vanderbilt. News broke on the John Brennan Show. How about this? An SEC team coming into Cincinnati. Um, very excited. And second year in a row. 
Correct. Very excited for this game. Um, Not that Vanderbilt's like a great team. I mean, they're they're seven and fourteen, but no, but, it's nice to have a Power Five school. Yeah, and it's a winnable game. Um, I mean, maybe Scotty Pippen will show up. I mean, the Suns plays on Vanderbilt. I think the I think the Bearcats will win this game. You, you think about Vanderbilt has their second leading scorer out with an injury. They have Scotty Pippen Jr. and then just a handful of other scores. Right. I think I think Cincinnati does win this game. I think they do as well. Um, I think despite and, and again, even though they lost to Memphis, I think they're still they're still carrying momentum. Yeah. Uh, over from the two game win streak that they briefly went on, um, you know, and and like we said, they had they put up a scrappy game against Memphis and they played well. They played hard. They played mostly well. I mean, you, if you watched that game, I mean, it it, it was street ball. Like it was sloppy for a while in that game between both teams. Mostly it was it was because of Memphis's full court press, um, which really they, disoriented. They really get after it, and they do. They did a great job, and it really disoriented uh, the offense. And it was hard to get by. But um, Cincinnati coming into this game, I think ready to play. Alex, they're five and four at home. I think they're one to defend their home turf. They're nine and nine. It's their last th- home game of the year. I think it'd be nice to go from having the start of the season that we did sitting at uh, was it three and seven? Yeah, three and seven to going ten and nine, finishing out that way. That's pretty good Which after still, the twenty five day hiatus. And then another winnable game Sunday at ECU. Don't forget about that. Yeah, and obviously you've got and that then the game. conference tournament. I. I'll say Cincinnati wins seventy-seven to sixty-seven. Okay, I like that pick. I'll, I'll say the Bearcats win uh, seventy-six to sixty-nine. All right, seventy-six sixty-nine. The final score prediction there. Got about two minutes to go. Uh, Reds updates. What do you got? Reds are playing their fourth spring training game tonight against the Dodgers. They actually just took, as of the time of this recording, a one to nothing lead. Alex Blandino with a double in the top of the first. Keep in mind the Dodgers won the World Series last year. Uh, Hunter Green made his debut last night, second overall pick in the 2017 MLB first year player draft. Had to be taken out of the game with the pitch uh, count limit rule in spring training this year. In the first inning, gave up a two run home run to former Red Jose Iglesias. Uh, the Reds dropped their first two spring training games. I, I will say this you know, the topic is obviously one of the topics of conversation is who's going to be the starting shortstop next year. I will say what I want the Reds to do move Nick Senzel from the outfield to short. Oh, interesting. Because okay. then, because then your outfield should be Akiyama, Winker and left, Akiyama and center, and Nick Castellanos and right. I think that's a pretty solid outfield. If you keep Senzel in the outfield, you're gonna have too many options, and one of those three players I just mentioned isn't gonna be able to play on a certain day. Yeah, why not, not? Why not have all the talent exactly. you have on the field? There's not gonna be a DH. Senzel plays short. Mustakis plays second. Does he have Does he have experience playing short? He, can't, he started in the minor leagues as an infielder. Okay, then there we go. I saw him play as an infielder in the minor leagues. Okay, so there we go. So, I, um, yeah. I was going to mention something else. I know they won last night over the Angels. Just um, Brandon Finnegan pitched for the first time in three years. Two perfect innings on Monday. Sunday was a five to one game. Didn't really notice anything there. Votto did go two for two though with an RBI, so I yeah. will throw that in there. I think one thing we were talking about. We'll wrap it up here after this. Um, is who should be the starting pitcher at come opening day, April first? Um, I think Sonny it Gray. should be Sonny Gray. I think it should absolutely be Sonny Gray. I respect Luis Castillo, but I don't think he's as consistent um, as Sonny Gray. So, with that being said, Cincinnati fans. 
Thanks for joining us. We forgot to mention uh, high school basketball. I, I wanted to bring that up. Well, that's all right. Uh, whatever. We'll, uh, get With that, that being said, uh, thanks for tuning in and tune in next week. So long, everybody.